good afternoon whenever you listen. This is going to be a special episode of Top Men's with Twins where we're going to dive into the U.S. Women's National Team and kind of um, discuss what we saw watching the game this morning and where they're heading going into the knockout rounds of the Women's World Cup. Yeah, and based upon how they've performed in past tournaments, this is a pretty disappointing point in time for the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, mm-hmm. There's obviously they're still alive, still kicking, ready to go play on Sunday um, against most likely Sweden. But it is it's a low time. Um, so we're gonna kind of dive into a little bit, share some of our analysis on the match, um, and kind of things that we think we could maybe improve upon um, on Sunday when our our next um, first knockout round match starts. Yeah, absolutely. There's. I think there's a lot of room for improvement. This is obviously an extremely talented U.S. women's team that is one of the best teams easily, one, probably one of the most top three talented teams in the world. But they honestly in this World Cup have not looked that cohesive, especially the last two games when they play better competition. So we're um, going to kind of break down what we what we thought we saw today, kind of things we'd like to see changed and just our general ideas going forward. But also, Luke, I, I forgot to ask the thing in the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I think, you know, we just got back from a nice little weekend trip. So we are mm-hmm. um, very much so enjoyed that trip. It was a very enjoyable weekend. Um, Saw some Premier League games. Yeah, we did. We did. That was that was so much fun. Got a little toasty out there in the Maryland <laughs> sun. <laughs> got to see, you know, um, one of our good friends, Kyle. Um, His dog, Finito. Yeah. And got to meet um, some important people in his life as well. So that was really nice. Um, But also, um, the match was really cool. You know, matches. Matches, right. But we got to see probably the best goal any of us have ever seen in person. Um, I don't know if you all happen to see this, but Josh Da Silva's goal when he left left foot curler, top bend it was incredible. And we had seats to where we directly lined up to where we could almost see the ball coming straight at us in, you know, that angle curling around the keeper, and it was incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think the best goal any of us have ever seen live. If you actually oh, for go sure. there, I think um, Brentford put out a little Twitter clip of him, like, hitting the ball with his left foot from an angle behind. And if you actually look at it, you can look in the stands and see a pixelated image of Luke standing up, and he's wearing a blue shirt, so he really stands out, and you can – See him standing up, putting his hands on his head. So we, you can I, see in the video where our angle is, and it was, it was crazy. I saw it coming. Like even before mm-hmm. he struck the ball, I was like, "That is going in." Just the t- the touch that he took. Yeah. I just, I guess the universe told me different this levels, ball, man. This ball is going in. Um, different so. levels, but we saw a lot of goals in that game against Villa and we did um, Brentford. So that was fun and some very interesting FPL implica- implications. Excuse me. Yeah. So you know we'll dive into those later on in the week. I think, but for now, back to the U.S. Women's National Team. I think we'll take a little break here, and then from there we're gonna just dive right into what we saw and maybe some ideas for improvement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll be back. We'll be right back. Thanks. Welcome back, everyone. We are going to dive right in. No dilly-dallying today. No dilly-dallying? That's a nope. fun word to use. It is, right? No I think dilly-dally. so. Um, okay, so I'm just going to dive right into my first biggest overarching problem that I had with this nil-nil draw with Portugal for the U.S. Women's National Team. And I think almost every single problem that I noticed 
stems back to our head coach and Andonovsky, right? I think there's been a lot of complaining building up to the World Cup saying, oh, we're not sure if he has the level. How is he going to make this team better? How is he going to use our talent in the best way possible? And I think in this match, he did a terrible job of setting up the team. Yeah. Do you agree with that, Paul? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, keep going with your point, but I'll, yeah. I'll add stuff as so, we go. Necessarily, I think that the first thing that I noticed is that a lot of our players were extremely isolated, especially in the attacking front. I felt there was a very fine, like, massive divide between our defenders, our midfield, and our attackers. There was no level of complexity that allowed our players to have intricate interplay that connected each level of the pitch right so the issue that i see there is i did i rarely saw any triangles where our players are interplaying offering each other offering each other opportunities to play the ball in a way that you know that offers opportunity but is not putting a lot of pressure to where it's an extremely difficult pass and that is where the tactical um, setup comes in and so important. So I, I, I see what you're saying. Like I, I think what he was looking for was he was like, I know I have two really pacey wingers with a forward up top, Alex Morgan, that's great at connecting stuff. And he was thinking, I'm gonna, we're going to spread out Portugal. We're going to keep, keep high, wide lines. And the problem with that was is there was, like you said, there's nobody in the middle connecting that and basically transitioning the ball from the midfield to the wings and then up top to Alex Morgan. And the issue is that, I mean, I mean, whenever you're playing a team like Portugal that put in a match like that, you have to adjust. And I didn't feel like there was any adjustment. Like Megan Rapino was him trying to change a little bit of that, but she, she didn't look on form. She looked like she was not outclassed in the game, but she didn't make an impact that I think he wanted her to make. No, she did not. Right. And I think the big thing here, right. Is Portugal kind of set up in like a four, three, one, two, something of that nature right obviously a little different when they're on defensive and attacking but the biggest thing here is i felt like anytime the u.s was going to break it was either a one-on-one with the winger and then they'd be double teamed and have nowhere to go with the ball nowhere to cycle it back to because they are so isolated and you're mm-hmm. you're attacking with essentially four players you know williams morgan smith and then sullivan right those four players are going up against seven defenders. Right? Yeah. So right, I mean, mathematically, it makes so much sense that there's no opportunities um, and there were, they need to push more bodies forward, frankly, is what I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, in that situation, I would prefer to see a single pivot instead of a double pivot that we ended up playing, paying, playing, excuse me, or maybe even a back three, right? Push people up, use wingers in order to allow... Use those fullbacks to allow your wingers to push into those half spaces. And then with them playing that fullback, we can go at them in a, in a really kind of productive, you know, intricate way. But with the way we're set up, there is no, no ability to adapt, to be creative. It was just one-on-one on the wings. And yeah. that, I felt like that's all, all there was. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, Luke. And another big thing we haven't talked about yet is Rose Lavelle is going to be out for the next match. And that's somebody that provides a lot of creativity up top for the U.S. and helps them facilitate balls out to the wings, through the middle, 
and just take taking shots from them. And it was and a she questionable was, yellow. I mean, it was it was questionable, but I mean, like she has to know in that situation. That I mean, she may have got the ball first and just kind of slid and then taken her out. But in that situation, you have to know. You really do. I mean, and that's the thing is it's it's the thirty ninth minute. There's I don't know. It just felt like get to the half, get through that. And it just kind of honestly felt like a metaphor for the entire match, right? Yeah. It was a poor decision to go in for the challenge. Unlucky that she was given a card, but it just felt off. It it did feel a little Things off. It just felt there, off. There, it's hard for me to be, I guess we can kind of just dive into this right now, to be super optimistic about this team going forward because it seems like there's a lot of... Re- rigidness to this team right now and it doesn't feel like they're playing from a happy place realistically you know like it's not like it doesn't the game doesn't seem to be flowing for this team and i don't know what options they have to change that up i don't know if you go younger if you bring in some of your younger more extremely talented players they've had on the bench if you change your shape but if you do that then you're asking opening yourself up to a lot of different discussions about if you lose or if you could just yeah, you could just lose by doing that. So there's there's a lot of question marks of this team going forward into the knockout stages, and I'm not sure if um, they're going to be able to adapt. And we know that Sweden is essentially the USA's kryptonite over the last, yeah, the last 10 years. They've so. had very difficult times with them in the past. So, I mean, we're, I, this, there's a lot of question marks going forward. And it, I, I still, I still in saying that, though, I still do feel positive that this is an extremely talented team, and sometimes talent just helps you figure stuff out. Right, and especially right. in knockout stage games. I mean, you saw again when the USA played um, in the Netherlands, like there was just a different talent quality, and it was also coaching a little bit too. But whenever you have those stars that just win you games, sometimes you can get by. And also, I mean, it, it's just, I mean, they're in the knockout stages, so I mean, anything can happen now. So you never know. And they have the championship pedigree too. That is true. There's a lot in their past history that indicates that, you know, they will find a way to get through this tournament. But I, like you, Paul, am very concerned about, yeah. you know, how we're going to set up. Like, could we possibly set up differently than a 4 through 3 I would like that. You know, let's do something, you know, n- not entirely outside of our comfort zone, but let's do something that fosters more of a you know, kind of intricate, just more more advanced play style right it just feels like there's no Mm -hmm. real strategy behind what we're trying to do here you know multiple times it felt like it was just okay let's play it long and hopefully one of our players gets to the end of it and that's just not how you want to see us play right yeah and alex morgan had a couple half chances that um maybe on another day she gets to the ball a little bit sooner gets a better angle she had some shots where i mean the ball just kind of drifted too far on her and the angle got cut down but I mean, on another day, maybe the, I mean, on another day, realistically, the U.S. is like out right now. With, yeah. With that no. shot in the 90, 91st was... minute off the post. I mean, it's just moments like that. That stuff's going to happen in the knockout stage, and the U.S. hopefully is on the right end of it, you know? Yeah, that was incredibly close. I, what was that, the 90, it's like 90 No, I think it was like 91, 92. It was kind of yeah. early in that. Yeah, they, maybe 93. Yeah. Maybe 94. We should be thinking that we're very, very lucky just to have this opportunity to, you know, move on to the next round, frankly. But out of what you were just saying, Paul, I think one of my big concerns is that the farther you go into this tournament, the levels get higher and the margins get a lot tighter. 
So as that happens, you have to be better. And the team that we see right now, I don't know if they're going to be able to fit in those margins. Mm -hmm. I think they might be too tight. Um, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that, you know, we're able to fight through this tough stretch in time and secure, secure another world cup title. Because I mean, that's, that's aspiration of this team. It's title or bust. And if we do not get that, I think there's going to be a lot of frustrated fans. I, I, I do agree with you on that. Another thing that kind of sucks for this too, is that I think going into today, we kind of knew that if the U S won and then they also lost and go differential, they'd still end up in second place. So it's kind of like a net neutral. You still advance even if they would have won this game, it's just you just have more of an optimistic view on it. But what uh, aspect of it that does suck though is is, is that we're going to have a game on Sunday at 5 a.m. and we want to see those viewership times actually really matter a lot to helping to grow the sport, helping to get young kids involved with watching the games and building like a sense of community here in the U.S. to build this sport up here. And 5 a.m. kickoff, I mean, three. it's better than 3 a.m., <laughs> the one last night, yeah. or this morning, I guess. But we, we it, it just sucks that that's the kickoff time falls, but I think we'll be up to watch that Sunday morning. No, we will. We'll be, we'll be up and ready to go for that one. I do worry, though, that as you, know, as you were saying, Paul, you're kind of talking about how you know, not having as many eyeballs on the match, is that's very important because... You, you need the money coming into the program, right? The amount of viewers that we get, that is directly correlated to how much money advertisers are willing to pay. That's directly correlated to how much we sell jerseys for. All of these things, right? And I think that the U.S. women's national team is at this precipice, right? Where for the past 20, 30, 40 years, right, we have dominated women's soccer, Oh yeah, no question. And there's there's no question about that. But other countries are catching up on the skill level. There's there's no doubt about that. The talent is vastly and quickly approaching where we've been at for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now yeah, look at look at the women's Premier League. I mean, that, yeah, that exactly. Going, right there's so much league in there, France. It's, it's Spain. incredible to see this yeah. for you know giving all these opportunities to young women that they can you know go out, support themselves, and, you know, be incredible at what they do. I, we love seeing that. But from a U.S. perspective, I think that we're seeing now that where we've, you know, just dominated with our talent, now we have to be able to tactically play against these teams and set ourselves up in ways to where we make the game easier on ourselves. And that is not what we're doing. We are making the game harder and really just struggling through this world cup it feels like and i will have to say if the u.s does not at least get to the final andonofsky is long gone yeah and look at his record what was it like 51 10 and like three yeah you know which and is he, nuts. I, I mean I, I understand what you're saying i i agree he probably is gone but like you have that coaching record and you lose like yeah but I think, you know, the success of a coach isn't necessarily in the win. That's you make your players better. Yeah. And it clearly feels like he's he's not maybe he is making them better ta- like technically somehow, but ultimately he's not putting them in positions to succeed. Yeah, and, the, you know, succeed as a group. I think um 
I know that U.S. men's national team Twitter and U.S. women's national team Twitter have always had a lot of beef and a lot of things they've disagreed on. But I think we can all agree that um, we're entirely unhappy with a lot of our coaching choices we've seen at the Men's World Cup and now the Women's World Cup. And maybe we can bond over that. Just become one whole community, you know? I would love to see that. That would be great. Yeah, I would be a big fan of that as well. Yeah, just have a lot, just U.S. fans everywhere, you know? Yeah. Well, I think maybe we will take a little break here. Does that sound good, Paul? Yeah. Um, and we'll come back and maybe talk about the upcoming match, what to expect from Sweden, um, and, you know, kind of just wrap it up from there, I think. Yeah. All right. We'll be back, guys. Thanks. All right. So, like, we've been a little negative today on the podcast. Maybe not negative, but just a little... Um, what's the right word to phrase it? A little speculative of the U.S. going forward? Yes, we have been. But I will say, I think we need to end this on a little bit of a happier note and say that I think the U.S. still has a good chance of winning this World Cup. Oh, they do. They, they have do. the talent. They have the championship pedigree, like we mentioned earlier. And I, I still would believe in this U.S. team to pull it off. I I see what you're saying there. I think from my perspective, the overarching thing I've been trying to get across is based upon the idea that I want to see in a tournament such as this, like the World Cup, you want to see your team growing and, you know, playing with confidence. Valid. And I don't see either one of those, but we can easily find those in a match. Like against a team like Sweden, who we're probably going to face first round of the knockout round. I think, you know, we get an early goal. We feel the confidence growing. It could be a statement victory and setting us up for a deep, deep run. Absolutely. And securing. I think know, it's easily possible. Securing another World Cup title, so. Um, do we want to maybe dive into the team we're probably going to be playing Sweden a little bit? And yeah, yeah, go ahead. You got some information. Throw it out there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, just off the bat, Sweden is currently the number third ranked team according to FIFA's world rankings. Um, so if we have a number one seed playing a number three seed in the first round of the knockouts, that's going to be a enormous. It's a heavyweight, heavyweight yeah, clash right there. All, all eyes will be on that matchup if it does happen on Sunday. 5 a.m. Um, but so what, and it really seems like it's very probable that is going to occur strictly because Sweden still has a match to play. Their entire group plays um, on Wednesday. So tomorrow, as of this episode being released. Um, so on Wednesday, whenever they play, Sweden will be playing Argentina, who's at the bottom of their group table. Um, they currently sit, Sweden currently sits on two wins, so a total of six points. Um, Italy, who they just beat 5-0, is second in the group with three points. And then South Africa and Argentina are at the bottom of the table with one point each. So based upon that, mathematically, it would take Italy scoring at least 10 goals to yeah. even you know have the possibility of tying on goal differential and that's assuming that Sweden does not draw or win their match. Um, so it really seems like that Sweden will be advancing, probably being Most first in their group. Scenario, yes. Yeah. So I think we're just going to go ahead and plan accordingly and say that Sweden wins their group, you know, puts in a good performance tomorrow. I wouldn't be shocked to see them kind of thrash around Argentina a little bit based on how they've been playing. It seemed, that also seems like a most likely scenario there, Luke. So Yeah, and, you know, based, based upon how That's they're fair. playing, what should we expect to see from Sweden whenever the U.S. plays them on Sunday? So in their first match, they played South Africa. They won 2-1. to one. 
it was actually a pretty tight affair. Um, Sweden ended up getting the late 90th minute winner um, by Illestot. I think that's how you say that. My apologies if I mis- mispronounced. We'll, we'll um, touch up on our Swedish pronunciations. Yeah, I'll talk to my friend Boris and <laughs> see if yeah. he can send over any yeah. recommendations. Um, yeah, so Sweden won that match two to one um, in their first, you know, round of the match of the group stage. And then following that, they played Italy, who is currently the number 16th team in the world based upon the FIFA world rankings. And they annihilated them with a 5 0 win. Um, it's a big win at a World Cup. It it's is. A lot of goals. Yeah, especially against a good team like Italy. Um, it's you know it's a it's a statement victory for sure mm-hmm. um but kind of backtracking a little bit whenever sweden played south africa they played a 3-4-2-1 um and then whenever they were matched up against italy they played a 4-2-3-1 so i think against the us we're more likely to see a three back just out of respect of our attackers um the speed the speed and it offers more defensive flexibility. Um, I think they're still going to be able to create going forward with committing, you know, another body back, but I think that's what we can expect to see. So Sweden's probably going to sit a little deeper. Um, but I, based upon how the U S played today, I would not expect us to dominate possession either. Yeah. I mean, Portugal didn't dominate possession, but I think they ended up having a majority of possession. I didn't see the final numbers, but if I was watching that game and I was a Swedish coach, I would think if we kind of just let the game come to us and let the U.S. possess a little bit more, then they're going to – they can just honestly eat the U.S. attacks if, if it's the same the same situation that we had against Portugal today because, I mean, there just wasn't that attacking threat going forward. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's not to say it can't happen, but – if I were Portugal, I'd I'd be, um, or I mean, if I were Sweden, I would probably, I'd probably go down that route. Yeah, I would, you know, having three defenders in the box for, you know, the possibility of Alex Morgan making a run with the ball at her feet, that is something as a Swedish manager that I'd be very, you know, I'd be in favor of, certainly. Because yeah. you don't want her isolated one-on-one with a defender. That's just not a scenario that's going to, you know, benefit you in the long term. Um so that's kind of what we can expect from Sweden. I, you know, I think three back is probably most likely that could change. Right. But, um, we'll keep an eye on how they line up against Argentina. I would expect to see Sweden probably, you know, maybe rotate some players, frankly, um, knowing that they're going to be playing the U S they will want to be full, full strength for that. And mm-hmm. going to that match with, every able body that they need there. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. That That's a practical move that I think also, I mean, it benefits them in the long run. If they advance past the U S like if you can save legs, kind of um, rotate some people and maybe get them also ready in case you need a sub, do all these things that I think Sweden's in a really good spot heading into this match, depending hope. I mean, the worst case scenario is injuries happening on Wednesday, but of course we don't want that to happen. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, it's going to be a tough match for the U S but Based on what Luke said, I mean, Sweden's a very form, for, uh, formidable team. So, but I, I, like I said earlier, just on this little segment, I think the U.S. is, I think there's a good chance that they could pull some magic out and kind of reverse their form and go from there, you know. Even though we've been talking kind of, you know, negatively about the U.S. women's national team, I do frankly think that we're still the favorites 
in this so? matchup. I do think so, just because of our so. our past pedigree, and obviously form is very important. But I still think that Sweden's going to go into this match with a certain level of apprehension that they're playing the U.S. There's going to be a certain level of respect that I think the U.S. could take advantage of. You know, if we get an early goal, Sweden is going to tighten up, right? That's and correct. They are going to kind of that's a doomsday feel that pressure, right? So, I think obviously, you know, this is the most cliche statement in football, but the first goal is going to be immensely important. Yeah, it always is. It always is, man. You never. Yeah, and the the mentality that underlies that that's going to be really impactful for both teams in this match. So um, let's keep an eye out for that. That first goal is going to be really important. So um, yeah, I, my only, my only big thing heading into this match is for, from a U.S. fan perspective is I want to see more tactical flexibility. I want to see the U S create more. Cause I mean, like we saw this last match, it just, it just wasn't there. And even against the Netherlands too, a little bit. I mean, look, the only goal came off a corner, which was a great header. I mean, it was awesome, but like, you have to, you want to see more chances created. Yes, there were some chances today. I mean, I'd say half chances mostly for all, most of them. But we want to see. We just we want to see the the Eagles cook, you know. So, Paul, do you think you would recommend maybe changing formation? Do you just see maybe more you know more aggressive tactics? Where where do you see that changing? I I think it starts from the midfield. And it seems like somewhere in the midfield pairing, there's something lacking about essentially like I, th- I think defensively the shape's fine. It does okay out of possession because, I mean, we really haven't given up that many goals. Like, I mean, I think it's gone fine. But it's also like when we're playing a team like Sweden, that's going to be different. But th- it, it seems like what we like we were talking about when we were watching the game is, especially on the left side, the ball stay on the left, left side stagnated. It'll kind of invert from a fullback to the midfield and then out wide. And then there's not a midfielder following up to create another option besides Alex Morgan. So they only have one option, and there's usually there were t- usually two defenders there for Portugal. So, I mean, there, we have to get, honestly, more numbers forward, which is going to decrease the defensive stability of the team. But if I, I, I think this U.S. team is a team that wants to score goals. They want to be on the front foot. If you're going to want to do that, you have to give something up. So we have to find a way to get more more people involved in the attack. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I think that um, there's, like like you're saying, like w- one of the big things that I think I also noticed as well kind of building off of your point is I felt like there were no switches in play, right? There were there were, there, there there were not enough to where I felt not, like... Not dangerously to keep, right? to keep Portugal. The way, the way we could have broke down Portugal, right, is move the ball quickly and then hit that diagonal across to the winger, right? make them rotate, switch sides of field. And, you know, that draws them out. They're not as compact. We have more space. Alex Morgan might have some space in the box to get an opportunity. All those things, right? The quicker we move the ball, the less likely they are to be very rigid in their defense. So Yeah, I, I completely agree. Something I'd like to see, I think, is, you know, a little bit more of a distance behind some of the passes we're making. And, you know, even just more interplay too, from the like you're saying, from the midfield to the wings, midfield to the defense. Like, I just feel like there was a huge disconnect. So. Yeah, the best part for U.S. fans out there is that the changes can be made, and it's also like this team is somewhat of a sleeping giant because if they figure it out, like 
I think this is the kind of team with like all the experience they have and everything that it could click at one point in one of these games in the knockout stages where it's like, oh, okay, this this is who we are. Exactly. And they're still right. trying to figure exactly. it out, which is scary mm-hmm. because I mean, we could go into the Sweden match and it could easily go bad. But it's also there's also the chance too that we could get there and they just start cooking, you know, and everything works out fine, you know. I completely agree with that. I think that they're there's a high probability that we go to the next match and something clicks. You know, mm-hmm. it could be a moment. It could be a couple goals. It could an be an early goal, like you said. That could, that would be huge. It could be Sweden. It could be Sweden scoring an early goal, and we have to. We realize. Oh that. no, no, an early goal for the U.S. That's what I meant. No, I I know, but I'm saying that maybe Sweden scoring early will catalyze us into that. You know, yeah. Hopefully, that mindset. Let's, let's not hope. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Because no, this, I agree. I agree. But I think we need a moment, right, to kind of knit everything together and inspire that play to where, you know, we're being progressive um, and very intelligent with how we're attacking. So Yeah, I completely agreed. Um, yeah, so just so everybody knows that um, the U.S. next game is going to be Sunday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern time. So it, if you're not in Eastern time, just adjust to whatever that is. Um, it should be a really fun match like we talked about with Sweden. It's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be a lot up and down. It's going to be a highly intense match. These teams do not like each other. So it it'll it'll be a really good one to watch, and I think everybody should get up to watch it because it, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it, if you were going to watch a match in the women's World Cup, right? You say you haven't you should watched watch one all of them. Yet. It's great soccer. Yeah, if you Picks haven't if you haven't watched one yet, this is the match to watch. Right, this is going to be perhaps the best match of the tournament. You know, based upon you know pedigrees and expectations coming into the tournament. So. Definitely make some time for it. Wake up a little early um, and support support the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, we're wishing them the best of luck in their next matchup against mm-hmm. probably Sweden. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us, Paul, right? Yeah, thanks, everybody listening. Um, we follow us on all social media. We put out stuff pretty regularly about U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team, and also FPL stuff, which will be – really starting to build into the next couple of weeks with the yeah. Premier League season coming up. So just keep an eye out for all the content yeah. we have. Expect to see an FPL podcast later yeah. in the week where we are going to make teams and just leave them for the rest of the season and see how we do. Yeah, also check out our website too. We have a, Luke had a really good article up there on Christian Pulisic. So it's um, an exciting time. Exciting time to be a football fan, you know. The website URL is really easy. It's topbinswithtwins.com. So go and if check you, that if out. If you can remember that. Yeah, it's pretty difficult. It's yeah. The spelling can be a little difficult sometimes. So. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening. And we'll um, talk to you next time, right? Yep. Thanks, everyone. Right. Bye.